Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Arkham Archives, your one but not only Batwoman podcast. While I'm just dying to start talking about this week's episode and Cameras' directorial debut on the show, we have to kick this off with some introductions. So, if you're new here, my name is Inês and I'm your host for the week. Joining me, as always, are my beautiful, wonderful, talented fellow Arkhamites, wow. Alice Obsessed, <laughs> Anna, and Hamel Fox Supremacist, Fran. Hello, ladies. Hello. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, Better than last week, for sure, if, if you can tell by my voice. <laughs> yes. I have made a full recovery. Hell yeah. So what did you girls do this week? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I was recovering from kind of uh, illness, but I'm fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, Ines, that, that question was a bit... Um you know funny because both me and Anna were just stuck in the house for the yeah the previous <laughs> week yeah I was also recovering from something so uh yeah not much I um just watched stuff and read stuff and watched the time go by <laughs> anything worth sharing in your watches and reads I finished the younger games uh, and then I watched the movie and that was really cool to see the adaptation because I didn't remember much from it back when I watched it. And mm -hmm. other than that, I watched um, Almost Done With a Crown and that's cool. I really love that show. And yeah. I watched the, I don't know, I think most of our listeners are American, so they probably don't even know who she is. But I watched the Georgina documentary oh. on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Icon. Of course. But yeah, that's been what I've been watching. Sorry, I'm renting. Anna, what did you watch? Yeah, I watched Cheer. It's a docu-series on Netflix. It's about cheerleading and this was season two and it's just so impressive that series because I don't know how it's not um, an Olympic sport. It's so hard and so impressive what they do and this season really covered some uh, incidents that happened like one of the guys was accused of pedophilia and stuff like that like oh, yeah really controversial but I think they they handled that really well actually they did a whole episode about it and mostly they showed the reactions of their teammates like because it was their friend and they had no idea so that was super interesting to watch because obviously they're very conflicted they had no idea he had that dark past and he did that heavy and I've yeah, it was very heavy, but I think they handled it well, actually. And they didn't shy away from it, you know. They they actually did an episode to uh, address that situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also watching uh, a show that came out on December. Uh, it's called With Love. And it's from the same creator of One Day at a Time. So I always Aww. had that, yeah, on my list to watch. Cute. And it's fun. It's, it's like a rom-com in a series. It's just five episodes. And it's so diverse. Like, she's great with diversity. So you have, like, a gay couple. They're all Latinos. There's black people. It's, it's great overall. I don't think there's, like, two white people in the whole show. So <laughs> it's always great to see. And I, I, I just love what she does with her shows. 
So I will keep watching whatever she puts out with. Yeah, it's very appropriate for this week because there's a um, one day at a time actress in the episode, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, to top it all off, uh, we watched Encanto this week. Yeah, oh, yeah. I fell asleep, but I fell asleep. I fall asleep <laughs> with anything, so that's not. It's true. A testament to the movie. <laughs> I've fallen asleep watching Batwoman on a call with you guys too. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my house too. If you don't know Fra, it's her special talent, to be honest. <laughs> she falls asleep instantly with anything. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's get back on track, though. <laughs> After all, with everything that's happened in this week's episode, it would be cruel to keep the people waiting any longer. It's me, I'm the people. <laughs> uh... This is the part where I thank everyone for tuning in week after week, for engaging with us on social media, and in some cases for helping us out with the podcast. We've mentioned before that this is a little passion project of ours, so it truly means the world when we get to take part in and engage with uh, the community that is Batwoman fandom. And these past couple of weeks in particular have been really heartwarming, to put it mildly. Uh, on that note, if you want to chat with us or otherwise shoot us a message, you can find us on social media at Arkham underscore archives. Without any further ado, let's get into this week's Broken Toys. In this week's episode, Ryan continues to juggle her family issues as Batwoman's identity is once again at risk of being exposed. Sophie and Luke get some bonding time after being paired up to go on a mission, while Alice gets into the head of a poison ivy-free Mary. Lastly, the team's efforts to get the Joy Buzzer to work lead Gotham's most villainous to unite against them. Uh, we've gotten into this habit of doing something off-script for these recent episodes, so this week I asked both Fran and Anna to send me their immediate reaction after watching the episode, and, well, this is what we got. Oh my god, hi, this is Anna. Um, I just finished the episode, I mean, I have one more wild more scene left, but I just had to record this voice clip because Ines uh, has seen the episode and asked us to record our reaction. And holy shit, the, the scene with Alice asking for them to use the joy buzzer on her. How didn't we think about it? It makes perfect sense that she would want it. I guess I didn't consider it because she, she wasn't stuck with the joy buzzer in the first place. So why would that work? But from what they explained, if that can um, put your empathy side of your brain back on, it kind of makes perfect sense for Alice. Uh, I'm so proud of her that she wants to do this step. Oh my god, that, that's huge. Also, I was so scared when she said, I'm not Alice. I was expecting like, what? Is, is someone pretending to be Alice this whole time? But yeah, I wasn't expecting that plot twist. That's incredible. Finally, they're making something, some storyline that's going to be huge for Alice. And I love how Mary's so proud of her for doing this as well. And yay. <sighs> okay, I have to watch the Wildmore scene. Be right back. Okay, 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 okay. Just watch the Wildmore scene. Uh, 
I don't have a lot to say, just that I wasn't expecting that at all. I was expecting just a kiss and like the deep conversation. I'm sure we weren't expecting this as soon, but I really liked that it was spontaneous and yeah, babies. It's so cool. It's so cool that they show the sex scenes and all the sides to them, you know. <sighs> yeah, I love them. Waiting for more. Okay, I've just finished it. And uh, yeah, that happened. That sure did happen. Uh, I really like, yeah, no words. No thoughts had empty. But I need the next episode like right now. And I also need them to keep this up because that cannot be the only sex scene that we get. Yes, we got something, but now I'm going to be wanting it more and more like again and again. So, Ladies, with the power of hindsight now, do you have anything else to say for yourselves? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Nervous laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let it out. I was speechless, so yeah, I have things to add. It's the podcast. That's what it is <laughs> I actually did two voice notes, as you saw, because we had the, the Mary and Alice scene, and I was like, oh my God, I'm sure what Ines asks is about Wildmore, but I need to talk about this. So Fair. Yeah, n nothing to add there. I'm just too excited to see what's going to happen with this twist with Alice and it was about time and about Wildmore I'm still just like no words <laughs> I have nothing to add I think <laughs> from what I said to be honest no um, you know intelligent comment from me <laughs> just very happy what about you Frank yeah like it's the same thing as Anna. my comment I think was no thoughts at empty but <laughs> I think We're going to cover Wild more in the podcast, so, you know, your questions allowed me to think a little bit more about everything, and I would not repeat myself, so I'll just... When you do get to that point, then I'll add to, to my audio from uh, the immediate <laughs> yeah. reaction. But this okay, episode was for fair. sure a good one for an immediate reaction, because that those last 10 minutes, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Okay, before we begin to unpack all of that, though... We have to talk about cameras. I don't think I'm being biased in saying this was one of my favorite episodes of the season for more reasons than one. And I think a lot of that really is due to cameras' input on the episode as its director. Personally, I loved pretty much everything about it. The pacing, the different dynamics, the easter eggs, which of course I'll get into later, mm -hmm. uh, the visuals. So what did you guys think about Broken Toys? Oh, I think cameras did a fantastic job, honestly. I thought it was a really intense episode with pretty high stakes. And, you know, as we're used to in this season, everything was happening and all of it was important. So, well, it was incredible, just all over the place, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. And besides the highlight that was Wildmore, of course, there will be a topic later. <laughs> uh, I also really appreciated the development we got with Alice and Sophie and Luke being super useful to the team. And also Kiki was really fun. I really, she was evil, mm -hmm. but I really liked uh, her guest appearance and just overall great episode. Yeah, I agree. I think it was such a solid episode, but I, I had like a different perception from you. I thought for me, it felt a little bit like a breather. 
after the past two episodes. Mm. Um, I don't know. I felt like it was used to further plot lines and start new ones, but we didn't have like major developments and like uh, despite the um, the wild more like finally getting their sex scene stuff but other than that I felt like it was a development episode and not so much like a big reveal and um, conclusions and climax episode I think it was just before the climax but it was really well done <laughs> Um, I thought the pacing was great. Uh, the intertwining of all the characters worked really great. I saw like a couple of little stylistic choices with, uh, for example, like transitions and how they had like a close up to the Batwing. Um, yeah, the bat sign on his suit, mm-hmm. and then cross over to uh, Ryan in her suit and zoom out from her bat sign on her suit. So. Uh, stuff like that that was really clever and uh, it probably came from uh, cameras experimenting and having fun with a job. It must be so cool to get to direct all your friends. Mm-hmm. And for sure, you can tell like it was such a character-driven episode. You can tell it's a, uh, someone who has the characters in mind and really understands what they're all about. So Yeah, yeah. and... You could see this episode gave voice to characters who maybe didn't get their spotlight, like Luke, Sophie, Alice, mm-hmm. like getting their own role in the team. And I think we, we really missed that. And I think that only shows that Cameron's really cares for all the characters and he, he made sure that they all got their moments. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. It felt very balanced. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One thing I think we all kept coming back to this week, especially since watching this episode, is how much we just love this show, the characters, the cast. Yeah. Uh, a recurring theme in our group chat has actually been us bringing up how we can't remember ever loving all main characters of a show quite the way we mm-hmm. love everyone in Batwoman. Yeah. And I think that's a sentiment we all earnestly share. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I oh, no. uh, oh. I I obviously love all of the characters in Batwoman, but it's not true for me that I can't remember a show where I loved. Like I was reading your questions, and I instantly like thought of two or four. <laughs> Jesus, I I can Sh- I can name the drop people. them. No, for like uh, the first <laughs> the first one that came to mind was This Is Us, which has like an enormous mm. cast. Neither of you watch it, but it has a lot of main characters, and they're really good at making them all lovable. So that was the first one that came to mind. I also thought of Pose, which has like an ensemble cast that's really big as well. And I love all the characters. And The Office also. And Sensei. So like I thought of my favorites. And this is a good testament to Batwoman. Because my thoughts were my favorites. Like my top favorites, all-time favorite shows. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those were the ones that I loved every single character. So for Batwoman to be in the same level as those is like obviously a compliment to that woman i don't want to take away anything from it it's just it makes it it's been really good company for me i would say that oh it's not every day that a show makes me love all the characters yeah i guess i just compared it to other cw slash superhero shows that i watch oh yeah in the same range (laughs) and i'm like with arrow i was always waiting for like laurel scenes or nisa scenes like my favorite (laughs) ones when oliver was there i was just like okay moving on yeah, <laughs> it sucks you know? when it's the main character that you're like, ugh, boring. It's always the main character. <laughs> Not Ryan Wilder, though. 
Yeah, Not exactly. Not Ryan Wilder. <laughs> I think it's safe to say, as we mentioned before in this commentary, that this episode has been the first one to ever show the whole bad team, Alice included, because let's be real, she is a part of the team, yep. uh, fighting alongside one another towards a common goal. So how did that make you feel? Uh, I was really, really satisfied with that. Um, and I also love to see them being separated into two groups, actually, because mm -hmm. it gave us a chance to see Sophie and Luke interacting and, you know, talking about Ryan without her being there, which was fun. And I also love the other side, which is um, that we got Alice and Mary to talk one on one, like we wanted to uh, yeah. the other time, uh, the mm -hmm. previous episode. So it's also really nice to see them use their strengths uh, with everyone having, you know, their special skills and they're really using it to defeat a common evil. Uh, that was really cool to watch. I thought Alice fits so well in the bad team because like she really does contribute really well because she's a person who can think like the villains. So she actually yeah, yeah. is very useful in that sense. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I know she's a killer, but we all know these shows tend to, like, brush apart that subject because what's the fun in, like, regular boring justice? Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> so I would true. love I would love a future where Alice, sociopathic tendencies cured or otherwise, joins the bad team for good. Um, she, at this point, should have that immunity deal be um, respected because she's helped... Um, mm -hmm catch so many villains this season so at this point like i know i know she's done a lot of bad things but if she has the who hasn't i mean yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so true if she has like a solid circle around her that can keep her in check she should be allowed to be free and to help out but uh, mm -hmm. i mean i loved i loved that part in the episode like the big climax where they were all fighting together and helping one another it was so satisfying. I want Alice mm -hmm. to be a part of the bad team so, so bad. She yeah. fits perfectly. And on that note, I have to kick this off with Mary and Alice being back on the team. Now that she's out of her poison ivy craze, Mary's left to deal with the consequences of her villainous actions. And needless to say, she's going through a hard time. Yeah. She blames herself for revealing Batwoman's real identity to Marcus and for his escape in the previous episode. Also for wanting to hurt Luke and for healing that guy in the woods. So you got the gist of it. <laughs> Throughout the episode, though, we have several characters trying to comfort Mary by telling her it was not her fault, that it was the infection speaking, but we all know that isn't true. Alice more than anyone else. Mm. Yeah. Are you ready to see Mary's journey through accepting all that she's done? I thought their take on Mary's journey to acceptance was really interesting. Like, you had Ryan and Luke that were telling her that which was, like, the kind, compassionate thing to say. And, I mean, they were not wrong. It's not false what they were telling her. But it's, it's also not the complete truth. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so those kinds of conversations will feel fake to you when you don't believe in a single thing that is being said to you. Yeah. Like, I know and it's cool that Ryan and Luke believe it. And it's really cool that they've forgiven her so quickly because that will also help Mary in her recovery. But she's not there yet. So it's normal that even though they're telling her those things, she's not going to believe them. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think for Mary to reach a stage where she understands that she's not the sole culprit of what happened 
it's gonna take a while. So for them to to use this crazy and very mad villain in Kiki Roulette um, as the stand-in for what a possible therapist would tell Mary without <laughs> actually, you know, sitting her down in front of one, I thought was really clever because personally, mm-hmm. I think it's very hard to get a scene with a therapist right on screen mm-hmm. and even in books or whatever because it's very hard not to make it feel like a stop in the action, especially in shows that are so action-filled. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a great alternative. Because in the same breath, you also had Kiki uh, basically just ignoring her therapist's advice. So Mary basically saw firsthand what choosing not to heal will do to you. So that also worked really well. And because Alice and Mary were on the mission together, Kiki also served as a plot device to further Alice's own storyline that had Mm -hmm. been hanging Mm -hmm. for so long. So I thought it was very like clever and economical uh, <laughs> without taking away from both Mary and Alice's inner experiences. You still got, you know, their sharing and you still got to see some insight into what they might be thinking and their reactions to what Kiki was saying. But mm-hmm. it didn't put a stop to the action that in a way that doing it the regular realistic way would have done, you know, having Mary see a therapist or having Alice see a therapist or whatnot. I thought it was a uh, it was very cool writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I kind of suspected that Kiki would be evil, kind of because I was just thinking, okay, this is very nice that she's just there to comfort Mary. You know, it couldn't be the whole thing, so it was really smart True. that they used it for both things to further the plot, but also to help the character development. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It might be even more effective to have her actually be evil and not take her therapist's advice because because then Mary can see what <laughs> repressing stuff and not doing yeah, the yeah. healthy healing will get you, basically. So double effectiveness. Yeah, I also wrote that for Mary it's complicated because yes, it technically was the infection doing it, but that doesn't excuse that she did kill someone. And, and yeah. like Alice said, burying it in layers and layers of denial and placing the blame somewhere else will not solve the problem at all. And like you were saying, she also gets firsthand what doing what Alice is doing did to her, you know, what could happen to Mary yeah. if she had the same uh, treatment, if she had the same actions, not only that Kiki did, but also Alice. So she has the double uh, consequences right in front of her. So th- I think that will be really important in her, you know, fighting the right way to heal. Yeah. Needless to say, Alice herself has some very unhealthy coping mechanisms, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me honestly thinks she was a fly in the wall when Lena Luther had her whole speech about little boxes and compartmentalizing your feelings in Supergirl. But anyhow, it's clear Alice has reached, you know, a point where she wants to begin uh, to repent for the things she's done in the past. And I have to say, though, her reaction to Mary referring to her as a sociopath, quite frankly, broke my heart. Mm. Same. I already know I'm going to cry in the next one. But yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) I'm just honestly kind of shocked at this storyline but at the same time I think it makes perfect sense uh, because she has been so close with Mary and now seeing her go back to normal and get some some of that empathy back I think it was a really wake-up call for Alice that she could also have that lost part of her back you know and you know seeing her friends accept her again Mary I think a part of Alice is like, oh yeah, I could have a bit of that maybe if I tried. And 
it's just really emotional to have Alice want that because, yeah, you know, she's always a mystery. I love Alice, but she's always like, I don't know if she wants to be evil, if she wants to get better. I'm always very <laughs> conflicted. So I think this is the first time ever that she said she wants to be Beth. And like Mary said, that's huge. Like, that's really, really huge for Alice. And I actually gasped out loud. I had to pause the episode for a second <laughs> to process Same. that information. And, wow, well, yeah, I just can't get over how complex of a character she is because I never know what she's going to do. I think we're going to talk about it later, if this is going to work, if this is not going to work. But I think the point is that she wants to do it, you know, even if it doesn't work. It's huge that she wants to do this. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think her seeing the Batib's reaction to Mary and saying, you know, it's not your fault. That's what she's been wanting to hear, I yeah. think. And it's crazy what a little bit of love will do to you. Because she had just a little bit of love from Mary, like a pure, actual love, real love and understanding. And just that, and also seeing everyone's reaction to Mary... Was enough for her to be like, okay, I don't have to be this person. There's other yeah. options. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a brilliant storyline for her. And I was, I also, even though it makes sense, I don't think any of us actually expected her to go like, no. yeah, I'm done. I'm done not being a sociopath. Not. So yeah, amazing. I have a bit of a different take here. I think that Alice's reaction to Mary sort of pulling away from her is what really fucking broke me. Like... You have this character who finally found a sister she wanted, a partner in crime, and now with Mary returning to normal, she feels like she's lost that, mm. that she's lost Mary, essentially. Um, and even though Mary offers to help Alice uh, run away, Alice doesn't want to run away, not without her. Yeah. So my take is that if Mary won't be joining Alice in her villainous antics, then Alice will just have to join Mary in being a normal person. And I Aww. think that, you know, that's really the biggest motivator for her because I don't think Alice, you know, despite having her fun moments with the bad team, I don't think that's what really moved her. I think really just seeing that you can change and, you know, the, the prospect of losing Mary, the one person she's had, all this, I mean, after all this time, it's going to be the driving force for mm -hmm. Alice to want to change, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense as well. I think it's not that black and white. I think, obviously, she doesn't want to lose Mary, but at the same time, I feel like she wants to be someone that Mary cares for, and she mm -hmm. knows that for that, she needs to change a little bit. But just mm -hmm. the fact that the love was there at all is what actually is motivating Alice to become a better person. Because, yeah, she wants to impress Mary and she wants to mm -hmm. be someone that Mary likes, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to ask, though, with Alice wanting to be zapped by the joy buzzer, uh, am I the only one who thinks that won't work? No. Like, <laughs> personally, I have a feeling about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would be really surprised if it worked. Because, obviously, she has never been zapped. So why would a zap back work, according to what they explained before? I think it will just destroy some neurons, you know. And she doesn't mm -hmm. have a lot left, you know, so... <laughs> don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. She's brilliant. Don't kill... 
You know, uh, my relationship relationship with Alice is complex. I can insult her <laughs> and love her at the same time. <laughs> but I think the more important question is, will the bad team be there for Alice for once and at least try the possibility of getting Beth back? Or will it just say, you know, she's crazy and use the zapper on Marcus? I'm more curious With about the this. Buzzer? I don't think so. I think they'll eventually be there for her. But... Yeah. I think they, in their heads, they have bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah, and that's the sad thing. I, I don't think yep. it's going to be if it works or not. It's just going to be them not choosing her once again. It's very, it's a very mm. interesting take that uh, for Alice, I know it was a different Batwoman and Ryan does not have the, she doesn't have that connection with Alice. But mm -hmm. for Kate, it was always about locking Alice away. It was never about finding a cure. She did give her, like, a couple of chances or whatever, but that's not how you do it. Like, you need to actually try and get the person better, and that's not going to happen at Arkham, where she kept putting Alice. But then you have mm -hmm. Ryan, uh, who would be kind of a hypocrite to try and find the cure for Marcus, but not take that time to do that with Alice. But also, you know, Marcus is her sibling and Alice isn't. So it's all very interesting, because as we mentioned before... We, once again, have a villain who is a sibling to uh, Batwoman. Mm -hmm. And now that we're done with this plot, almost done with the Marcus plot, so to speak, we don't know still if the Joy Buzzer is going to work or whatever, but we do know that Ryan is working towards an actual cure without thinking about putting him away or locking him away. It's really cool to see the two paralleled and the fact that Alice never got anyone to fight for a cure for her or fight for something more creative than just locking her away. Mm -hmm. And if the bad team was not gonna try and do that for her, hopefully Mary will put in a word and be like, hey, yeah. you guys have the resources, can you help me out? But who knows? But yeah, Marcus is Ryan's, Ryan's brother, but Alice doesn't have, you know, that, com that connection. Yeah, I think it would be so nice to see Mary fighting for Alice for once, you know, setting her foot down with the bad team and saying we need to at least try this i would love that storyline and i hope we get some of that because alice has been fighting for mary and it will be really cool to see it the other way around if they do want to try the the joy buzzer and mary is like yeah i'll get the joy buzzer for you it'll be an interesting stand stand down but i don't know if that's gonna happen i think they're gonna come to the conclusion like you mentioned and that getting the shock the buzz what would you call it the zap the zap. I think they will reach the conclusion that the zap is going to do worse than the alternative mm. um, before they even try it. But yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because Mary doesn't give a fuck about Marcus. Uh, so it's going to be like Ryan going, hey, I want it for my sibling. No, I want it for my sibling. Sibling. <laughs> yeah. So who gets the, the, um, who gets the authority here? I mean, Ryan is Batwoman, mm. but she in, in the Bat team, she's not more important than Mary. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. It's going to be such an interesting storyline. Yeah. I have to bring this up here, but I mentioned in our previous episode that one of my wishes for the season is for Mary to reassure Alice that, you know, despite everything, she's still her sister. And I think that will truly kick into gear after Alice attempts to use the dry buzzer and it doesn't work. 
I really believe that Mary will try to reassure Alice that she's there for her, you know, ready to join her in the daily process that is becoming a better person if she so chooses to put in the work and embark on that journey with her. And I also think that, as you mentioned before, Roulette's testimony as someone who went through the process and still came out the same is part of the reason why Alice wants to zap herself, actually. Like, mm -hmm. I think she's afraid uh, and believes she's fundamentally broken mm -hmm. and that because of it, even if she works towards it, she won't be able to change. And I think that's where Mary will prove herself to be, you know, a crucial part of Alice's recovery. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyhow... Alice's plethora of knowledge about one of this week's top villains led Ryan to deciding to team her up with Mary in this episode, as we mentioned, and I'm still a bit soft about that. I think it says a lot about not just how Ryan is currently looking at both Mary and Alice, but it also speaks volumes as to Alice and Mary's relationship. Uh, while Ryan doesn't entirely trust Mary to be on her own just yet, in a way, Her conversation with Alice in last week's episode has led her to kind of see her as human, I feel. So mm -hmm. it's like she definitely trusts Alice uh, and trusts that she has Mary's best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot more credit than she's given her in the past. So I guess that dealing with so many real villains this season has given Ryan some perspective. <laughs> maybe not you know um, I actually hadn't thought of the deeper meaning of Ryan trusting Alice enough to let her go with Mary before I read your question in a way it almost feels like she wants them to talk things out and, and make up and she's invested in helping that happen for both Mary and Alice's well-being like she's the initiator because she knows they might not have the important conversations if no one forces them to including like herself shows... yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true yeah I feel like uh, it shows a lot of development because past Ryan would not care at all about Alice's feelings and instead try and probably keep her as far away from Mary as possible. Possibly even blaming her for Mary's demise, I think. And that's a way yeah. that the writers could have gone in. But no, they're choosing to also show some of um, Ryan's development in terms of her relationship with Ryan. Um, it's a very happy surprise because the other option would be the easier one. So, again, it just makes me want Alice to be a part of the VAT team even more. <laughs> yeah, I was super surprised when Ryan told Alice to go with Mary because there was such character development. You know, Ryan would never have done this a few episodes ago <laughs> in the beginning. And like we said, I think Alice is just a great uh, addition to the VAT team, mostly now because, you know, Mary is kind of, Too fragile now to kill someone if she has to you know if it's between her and the villain and you know uh, Alice will do that like if it's to protect Mary even more she she's gonna kill whoever it is and you know I think like we said having the mind of a villain but also the skills that uh, that Alice has is super important so I think it's really nice that Ryan is trusting Alice not only with Mary but also as a part of the bad team because it would be kind of dumb to just waste what Alice can bring to the table and this bond that she has with Mary so kudos to Ryan really I think we were both <laughs> expecting it to go the other way because yeah. she said you're on your own in that episode uh, the previous episode she was like you're on your own when it came to like staying out of Arkham 
So we all thought that she was going to not care about Alice again. But yeah, I think instead we've had a more compassionate side uh, from Ryan towards Alice. And uh, also she just wants the best for Mary. And for her to think that that's Alice is a huge step. Meanwhile, Luke and Sophie are on a mission of their own, trying to retrieve Luke's Batwing AI from the Wayne Tower. We've recently mentioned this relationship they got going on has been one of our highlights of season three, and I feel this episode only added to that. So how did you feel seeing Luke and Sophie mostly back in action and standing on their own? Was there a little back and forth about Wildmore entertaining enough for you? Yeah, it was. And I'm in love with their friendship duo, honestly. <laughs> I think they fit so well together. It's also, like I said, so nice to see them using their strong points for once without having to rely on Ryan, mm -hmm. you know, because they both are also superheroes and not just sidekicks. And I love when they show us that. And uh, from the banter perspective, that was also just fucking fantastic, you know. Uh, my personal favorite moment was Luke saying, so you're into Ryan when she was a wanted criminal, huh? <laughs> like, so hilarious. That was, that was amazing. And I think, um, I just love that Luke is a candle boy, like we said. <laughs> He's kind of in the middle of this relationship, just giving advice. Professional candle holder. Professional candle holder. <laughs> just, just great. Yeah, but I also, besides Luke giving advice, I also like that Sophie has that space to say whatever she's feeling to someone that's not Brian, you know. That was super important for her to just, Let it out. Let it all out. Yeah. yeah, I love Luke and Sophie so much. I think uh, their friendship works so well. And I think their personalities are also just very compatible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as always, <laughs> I wish the conversation had been a, a little more reciprocate. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you want that Hamill Fox content? That Hamill Fox. Yeah, or even just, you know, <laughs> Luke is going through his own stuff. Newsflash. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but he also deflects. <laughs> I know, but I mean, come on. Sophie could have, you know, asked. Um, <laughs> She could have. Homegirl is so busy, thirsting. <laughs> True. She doesn't It is even, a lot. you know, look who. Look who. <laughs> Ryan is a lot. But come on. <laughs> look should be allowed to express some things that he's got going on inside too. I know he deflects and all that. Yeah. But if we have Sophie literally talking to someone else about her attraction to another woman which has not been easy for her in the past. You know, Luke should also have that, that development. And um, his journey with mental health in this season was done almost entirely on his own. And mm, if you think about yeah. it, after his outburst in the cabin, which has only been mentioned in, pass, in passing, it feels sort of a wasted opportunity if Sophie and Luke are having a heart-to-heart for her not to also try to get Luke to open up and be like, so what's going on with you? How are things going after that outburst that you had? Because she was literally there. Um, mm -hmm. That's I very him, true. Yeah. I don't want him to be that side character and friend who's only there to listen. And, uh, you know, works as a device for the audience to get insight into what the character is feeling. So whatever Sophie or Mary or Ryan is feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, all we get is Luke talking to a talking head. <laughs> I want more. Like, come on. <laughs> Obviously, right. I think they're very cute. They're very cute together. I love their friendship. Love the handshakes, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if they're having this conversation and Luke is actually interested in Ryan, in uh, Sophie's feelings and wants to know more, 
I wish it had been uh, mutual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have to say, though, I actually find it endearing that Luke has his father back, even though it's a talking head, like you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but most of all, I like that he, you know, realized that he doesn't need him or his suit even to, to be a hero. I think that was, you know, despite the lonely process, I think it was good shit on Luke's end as far as story-wise goes. And as far as Sophie goes, it's always a good day to see her kick ass. And we know this. Mm, exactly. I feel like the people needed to be reminded that Sophie's a lot more than, as Marquis put it, a side piece to Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I am once again asking for Commissioner Moore. I know I sound like a broken record by now, but imagine the possible tension between Wildmoor of having Sophie return to being a part of the system. I just want to see it, but you know she could help so much. Like, why are they not using could. it? Like, you she know, could. she's capable of kicking ass, but also helping from the inside. So just do it, you know. Exactly. And she's obviously I... frustrated. She mentioned a lot in this episode that she makes her own decisions and she has her own agency, and that yeah, she's yeah. tired of Ryan being like, "No, no, you stand this one out." She obviously, you know, she has her own mind and she has her own thoughts in the. And wants and needs. It's funny that Luke, you know, has been acting clueless all this time. Like he doesn't want to be in the middle of the drama. When in reality, he knows and wants to know all the tea. <laughs> Plus, let's be Same. honest, he loves to stir the pot. Like he didn't have to be all... Uh, when Sophie did the, the good landing, he didn't have to be all... Oh, if Ryan was here to see it. Like, come <laughs> on. My boy. You just you love to yeah. poke. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely poking. Speaking of Wildmore, no thoughts had empty. <laughs> <laughs> By the time we're recording, it's been almost three days since we got that scene and my mind is still buzzing. Y'all doing well? Because I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm doing wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> That was just what what the doctor ordered for me. Like very good, absolutely. I <laughs> uh, want like a hundred more scenes like that. That was perfect. Yeah, I don't have more comments than that. It was just perfect, and I wasn't expecting it, but it was just right. You know, just perfect. Just they know what the fans want, and they give it, and it's amazing, really. Um. Has someone called Jordan yet to let her know about the news? Yes. I hope Sophie did. I hope <laughs> she called her after she kissed Ryan. I hope they keep in touch and she tells oh, her so those true. things. Writers, if you're listening to this, you know, on the off chance you are, bring back Jordan Moore. We are asking, we are pleading. Please do it. She's so cool. And I would love to see Sophie's mom again, actually. Just to get that wrap up. <laughs> Shove it in her face. After she had such a growth in her relationship with her sexuality, it would be great to rehash that and bring back her mom. Mm-hmm. We could have a cool development with her and her mom. A Sophie-centered episode. Yes. Yeah. We need it. Okay, okay, getting back on track. I honestly cannot remember ever seeing such a fun, wholesome, yet extremely sexy sex scene being played out between two women on screen, let alone on the CW of all places. 
I feel like it was a nice combination and most of all, a really nice release from all the tension that had been building up between the two for the past, well, ever, but <laughs> especially the past couple episodes. Um, I absolutely love that Ryan specifically went from deflecting Sophie's feelings every chance she got to doing what Jada wasn't able to do with her and just let down her walls and allow herself to love and be loved. Yeah, oh, same. I loved, loved, loved the direction that they took the sex scene in. Um, and the, I wonder if the mishaps and the awkward bits, like the lamp and the belt bits, if they were scripted or if they were ideas that cameras had on the day. Yeah. Because it's not all too often that details like that get included in screenplays. But anyways, whoever decided to make it like that, thank you. Because I am a sucker for realistic sex scenes uh, like this. I've always found that, and TMI, you know, moments where you laugh during sex can be the most romantic moments of all. So I just, I love the scene, and I love the direction that they are taking Wildmore in. They're both passionate but friendly, and they're fiery but tender, and I love those opposites, and they look and act very in love, so I'm excited to see what's coming up for them. And yeah, very proud of Ryan for taking that step. I've said this before. Um, but if there's one person that you can really trust to not drop your heart and break it, it's Sophie Moore. <laughs> so, especially now so that true. she's comfortable with her sexuality. I think there's so many good things coming up for them. I really hope the writers don't drop the ball because mm -hmm. they, they really have a future ahead of them. I think you never know what's, what the cast is feeling, you know, filming those scenes. But I think you can tell when the cast is not completely comfortable filming those things. At least I get very uncomfortable with very sex scenes on TV. Mm -hmm. I think here the playful side just was better to make us understand that they were really comfortable, you know. Obviously the characters, but I think even the cast was just so happy to do it and... Like I said, you never know, but I think they, the direction that they took made it feel really comfortable. And I also just love the silly side. I think that was a great uh, directing choice. And about Ryan, I'm just extremely proud of her, you know, uh, for getting those walls down. And she's just so happy. And I don't have a lot of comments. I, I loved it. And I hope we get more. I also found it really funny that we got confirmation that Sophie's been into Ryan long before Ryan became Batwoman. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perhaps she's a bit problematic for it, given the whole power imbalance they had going on when Sophie was in the crows arresting Ryan. But I genuinely don't give a fuck. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just don't. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't judge. Um, Sorry. Also, of course, of course, Sophie's a top. Like, <laughs> of course. But I won't be the one to call Ryan a bottom, and I will take no criticism on that either. <laughs> I mean, she was going to top. She just had technical problems, you know? <laughs> and Sophie just took over. So I think that's right. Ryan's a verse in my head. <laughs> I think they both are. Like, just let them mix it up. It's boring if you keep it just the same way the whole time. Yeah, true. <laughs> but no, I, I literally screamed when Sophie, like, when she kept quiet, when Luke was like, wait, you liked her before? <laughs> that was the that's, best. That's crazy. And honestly, I don't think, I don't think that's problematic because she didn't act on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, true. And I mean, sometimes it's just pheromones, baby. Like, you see that girl... And she talks, and you're like, oh my god, she's hot. And that's what I mean, it is. Let's like, be real. Yeah, yeah. 
who wouldn't fall in love with Ryan Wilder? Exactly. So true. <laughs> so I'm not about to call Sophie problematic for it. Like, <laughs> she did good. She didn't act on it. She kept her position. Blah blah blah. But it's very funny and very cute, and I love that she is liked Ryan for that long. I love it. But enough with the funny business, or at least that type of funny business. <laughs> now. <laughs> Now that he's no longer a raisin, Marquise is back on his I'm not crazy, everyone else is bullshit. Um, in this episode, he decides to aid in funding the Arkham Asylum in order to be able to use the criminals in there to his benefit, which, of course, very anti-woke of him, uh, even if he does make some good points about the conditions at Arkham. I mean, seriously, how is that place still open? Um, so true. It's been said over and over again in this podcast, but I'm loving Nick's take on Marquis as the Joker. And I'll admit, he was honestly bone-chilling in some instances during this episode. So I guess my question here is, do you have a standout Marquis moment for Broken Toys? Uh, first of all, you calling him a raisin was a standout moment for my entire <laughs> week, you know? That's amazing. But... No, I I love to hate Marcus, you know. He's so great at playing the villain. Um, as for my favorite, I love the scene at Arkham because, you know, he does have a point. And I like how the writers are maybe not so subtly uh, addressing the bad conditions for mental health patients. Yeah. And, you know, while last season it was police brutality towards black people, I think they always just tackle some really important moments and they use their villains to do it. And I, I always appreciate when they do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love the moment where he finds Luke and Sophie because he had cool dialogue, you know. I just love. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that yeah. was my pick. <laughs> yeah, the, the phone call with Ryan was my pick. Oh, that uh, as well, yeah. When, she, when he calls her and um, the way he acts towards Sophie is so yuck. But Nick does it so well. Yeah, calling her a side piece was kind of gross, but kind of funny as well. But also the kiss, the the air kiss that he sends her. Oh is yeah, gross. But like that's what his character is supposed to be. But um, yeah, I thought the conversation that Marcus had uh, with the Arkham director was really interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, but he, both him and that Kiki lady, they made a lot of points in their scenes, regardless mm -hmm. of them both being criminally insane. Um, yeah, like you said, I think Batwoman does a good job at showing us it's never all black and white. And also, yeah, fucking burn Arkham down. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> it's okay. We can rename the podcast. We'll find another <laughs> name. But that place needs to fucking yeah. disappear. The archives and survived. It's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the place went boom, but the archives survived. Uh, but since you brought up Kiki and Marquis, I was actually kind of surprised to see her working with him, even though in hindsight I shouldn't have been. I could say that that's a match made in heaven, but given their track record, I think it'd be more appropriate to call it a match made in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna do a slight sidetrack to say she was on one day at a time, like we said. <laughs> it's my favorite show for anyone that doesn't know. And she played a lovely gay lady in One Day at a Time. And it just made me miss her so much. She was uh, basically the best friend of Penelope. That she's the main character. Completely different from this character. But just the actress is amazing. And it made me miss her. And about Kiki. I didn't see it coming. But I should have, you know. 
at, at the middle of the episode, like I said, I was thinking, mm, this is, she's being too nice. This doesn't end like this. And when there's a reveal that she's working for Marcus or with Marcus, it just makes perfect sense. And then she starts laughing like him. <laughs> that was mm -hmm. funny. I agree. I thought I thought she was such a fun character, and the plot twists worked really well. And all yeah, the the, the evil laughter. I think is my favorite evil laughter on the on the show yet. <laughs> yes, it was so funny. Um, and yeah, also I just loved getting insight into those old Batman villains. I think it helps build the universe and show that there's a lot of history before what we are witnessing at the moment of the season and of the show. And it's great. And the, the Joker workshop or lair or whatever was awesome to see. I love those tidbits and the callbacks to a past that we haven't seen, but mm -hmm. is there and uh, is responsible for a lot of things. That And this season has been all about that with the, the, the gallery of rogues. And mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. I think it works really well every time. We also saw the return of Victor Zaz, a villain who's already known to us in our Batwoman. You know, very fitting that we see our lesbian drama-loving assassin come back for a lesbian <laughs> yeah. drama-packed episode. Like, not all of uh, Batwoman's episodes are lesbian drama-packed. <laughs> very fair Some point. more than others, come Good on. Point. <laughs> There's a scale. <laughs> <laughs> This was up there. <laughs> But he's just really funny. I always enjoy when he shows up on the show. Yeah, it's very cute that he remembered Ryan. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, you, you. I no, but like, I was actually excited when Marcus recruited him because I thought we were gonna have like a villain team up and they would bring others like Magpie or whatever, and um, and we were so convinced that it would happen that we'd get like a Suicide Squad type of thing with Marcus and Mary and Alice yeah. and Pam, but we never mm -hmm. got that. And for a second there, I thought that he was gonna go like. And um, we'd have cameos from all these villains that we've seen throughout Batwoman. And that would be the mini Suicide Squad. And it would last like a couple of episodes. But I think it got, it got away from me. Like I was already dreaming way too high after they met at Arkham. But it was still fun. But I, I just hoped, I thought it was going to be more. And we would get to see like either the vampire lady or like, you know, mm -hmm. these old villains from old episodes. And they would be like tormenting Batwoman until the, the end of the season. Yeah, if only we had 20 episodes per season again. Yeah. Honestly, though, like, bring back longer seasons. What the fuck is this 13-episode bullshit? Literally. Yeah, I would sign that petition right away. Literally. And also renew Batwoman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say it this time. <laughs> Ines, just, put the know, dings. Add, Don't forget yeah, the dings. Yeah, just add it like in it. <laughs> three more dings. So many dings. <laughs> Speaking of drama, there's enough of that going around between Ryan and Jada. Victor puts the two of them in an awkward position by, at Marquis's request, holding them hostage while waiting for Batwoman to appear. The threat of imminent death leads Jada to confess to Ryan that the money she'd given the doctor wasn't meant for him, but rather to ensure that Ryan would have a good life, even though we all know how that turned out. Mm -hmm. Still... My heart couldn't help but ache for the both of them. For Jado on the one hand, because, you know, she thought her daughter was being well taken care of and, you know, later found out the devastating truth. And for Ryan, who had to literally fight for her life in the foster system. Yeah. So, you know, with all of that, 
What did you think of Robin and Javicia's performances during these scenes? Oh, the, the performances were great. I liked them, but I kind of have a really different opinion from you uh, about Jada, because honestly, I don't really care for Jada or her speech. I was kind <laughs> of mad at her. I mean, you gave Ryan $2 million dollars to make sure your daughter is going to live a good life. You even name her after your own father, but you can't check to make sure she's safe all those years. You know, it's like she cares yeah. a lot, but she just gives the money. It's like, oh, bye. And I don't know, it sounds very fake and that she just didn't care for her enough to check on her all those years. Like, that's what Ryan literally says to her. But I do feel bad for Ryan, though. Uh, but I hate when Jada says, uh, well, I took care of Marcus and look how that turned out. Um, is mm -hmm. she's just saying she's a bad mom, like either way, if she had um, if she had Ryan or not. I don't know. I can't feel bad for her. Uh, I think she had a lot of money and she just wanted the problem to be solved like that. And she kind of made a pity party for her here when the person who suffered the most was Ryan. Uh, yeah, literally. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't feel that bad for her. I don't know if I was supposed to or if it was to do with the acting that I didn't connect with. I don't know. Or if I needed more from her to trust her. I don't know. I feel the same way as you, actually. Um, okay. I especially had issues with when uh, Jada was saying that her giving Ryan up was maybe the best thing she could have done. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, I know she kind of took that back in the final scene, but... I don't know, it just felt like a cop-out. Because, like, just because Ryan turned out well does not take away any of the guilt that she should be feeling for giving her away. Mm -hmm. It's like she's trying to convince herself that what she did isn't so bad because Ryan is a su successful businesswoman and is Batwoman and is a really good person. Like, no, that's not how it works. You still yeah. have to feel guilty. And, uh, and also the other thing that she parallels it with, with she's Marcus, is kind of dumb. Because we've established that she isn't the reason Marcus is the way he is. It's pretty yeah. much... It's, it, was the, it was the joy buzzer that did that to him. As much as she could have been a better mom and maybe done things differently, him being the way he is is not essentially down to her. Therefore, her giving Ryan away didn't exactly save Ryan from a bad mother. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I am with you, Anna. I still can't form a solid opinion on Jada. I've been back and forth so many times this season. Mm -hmm. uh, one episode, she will do something that I respect. And the other one, she'll be getting on my nerves. Yeah, it's not... I haven't connected. Yeah, I, I agree. I just... I think she, she just needed Jada to try harder, you know? Even if you're not there for her, at least check that she's having a good life. And I don't think any of this excuses what she did. And, you know, even if she wasn't going to be the mom that Ryan needed and be there for her, at least try harder, you know, to, to make sure your daughter that you gave away is good. And, you know, maybe there is a sentimental thing that she didn't want to check because she wanted to put that aside from her mind but that's kind of selfish as well because she just wanted to forget about Ryan basically yeah I don't think I haven't figured out what the writers want us to feel about Jada yeah what is their end goal um I agree with you in the way that I feel like you know this is not something that's forgivable mm -hmm. but I do think that Jada feels guilty about it um you know I I I feel that she didn't check up on Ryan because, like she said, it's easier to put up walls. And I'm not, you know, denying that she took 
a somewhat I don't want to say easy route because it's not easy to give your child away. You know, that's not what I'm trying to imply here. But I feel like no one came out winning in this situation, you know, and that's what I was trying to mm -hmm. say. Like, it sucked for her. Of course, Ryan, you know, had a terrible life because of it. No one's taking that away in any capacity. But it's clearly something that Jada didn't want to do. And had to do for whatever reason that we have yet to find out. Uh, while you might disagree, I find some solace in knowing now that Jada really was trying to keep Ryan safe and protect her from Marquis, at least in the present time. And I find it interesting how, in this scenario, she's damned for staying when it comes to Marquis and also damned for leaving where Ryan is concerned. Uh, even though I do agree with you, friend, that she's not the one to blame for what happened to Marquis. Like, sure, she could have handled the situation differently, but at the end of the day, the joy buzzer is what did it. It still yeah. broke my heart to, like, hear her say that maybe the greatest thing she ever did for Ryan was staying out of her life. Especially knowing how much Ryan really has longed for a mother. Like, I don't know, it just speaks a lot to the mindset that... She fucked up Ryan in a way because she wasn't there, but then Marquis was also fucked up despite her being there. And I don't know, I just feel kind of a helplessness coming from the character, and I guess I sympathize with that. Mm -hmm. That didn't work for me. That line yeah. is what made me go like, no, Jada. Same. <laughs> no, you can't do that. You can't go like, maybe me staying away from your life is the best thing that could have happened to you. No. That is yeah. just her dodging the guilt that she feels, and that's not how it works. She yeah, has to I be mean. like, no, you know, even if I did give you away, I should have assured that mm -hmm. you were safe and you were happy. And then she could have said, then I would know that giving you away was the best thing that I could ever have done with, uh, to you. But knowing what happened to Ryan, knowing the hardships that she had to go through, knowing that she was uh, in an abusive shelter and all of those things and saying that, no, no, that yeah, doesn't work no, for Yeah, no, I me. do agree with you on that. Like, I... What I'm trying to say is I understand how she feels that way. And I guess we are a lot more empathetic with Ryan than we are with Jada. And there is a reason for that, yeah, of, course. of course. Yeah, uh, But, you know, not to both sides the situation. But I, you know, I do understand why she feels the way that she does. And, you know, I think it sucks as a mother to have this feeling that you would have still fucked up the job. Uh, if you were there so that's really just what I'm empathizing with her on you know not mm. saying that I'm agreeing with what she did or that you know even the whole line like you said it's very kind of dodgy uh, but yeah I see where she's coming from you know people aren't mm -hmm. perfect she must certainly isn't and yeah yeah for me that line would have worked more if if there was a scenario that she tried, you know, she maybe she kept Ryan for a while or she checked and she didn't do um, anything further. And then she would say, like, you know, I've tried um, and now I'm glad I'm out of your life because that wouldn't have worked. Because at least that said that she tried. And what annoys me is that when she says the greatest thing I ever did was staying out of your life, it's again kind of selfish. Like, yeah, I saved myself the trouble of checking on you and that must have sucked so much for Ryan I, I can like you said I'm 
I feel more for Ryan because I know her character more. So I just keep thinking, yeah, she suffered more than you because you, you were the one who gave her away. Uh, I think ultimately it, was, it wasn't that uh, important of a line and we might be giving it too much importance. But also I feel like it's a, a line that is very used in these types of storylines with giving kids away. So I was like, oh, you were so much happier without me. But in this case, it doesn't work. Because mm -hmm. Ryan had such a, che a shitty childhood. Uh, mm -hmm. that, I think that's what bugs me. Because if she had had like a very happy, stable home, even when they say that, you're like, okay, whatever, but I guess you're right. In this case, not even. Because, yeah. yes, Ryan turned out amazing, but that's only because she's amazing. And um, <laughs> But her life sucked, and she had a lot of hardships, and she went through a lot of pain. She was literally in jail. And for, mm -hmm. for Jada to be... Oh, it's a good thing I stayed out of your life. No. With all of that, Jada now knows about Ryan's identity as Batwoman. And I'm still not sure how I feel about everyone and their mother, like literally, knowing <laughs> about Batwoman's identity. Uh, so do you think this season will culminate with Ryan being exposed or is it too soon for that? I think that would be an interesting scenario And if Marquez is out of the picture, uh, I guess if everyone knew she could claim Wayne Enterprises back, and that might be interesting, because, you know, there's always going to be villains going after her loved ones if they know who she is. But I guess if Marquez is out, her biggest threat is not there. So for now, it would be okay. I'm not sure, actually. Um, I don't think I ever watched a show where... Everyone knows the identity of the superhero, so I'm not sure where they would go with that. But I think it would be an interesting story and unlike anything that has ever been done, to be honest. Some superheroes that come to mind that people know their identities would be Iron Man mm. and yeah, uh, Captain America. Oh yeah, they have they have some um, some superheroes that people know. But for for Batwoman, I would think it would feel a bit anticlimactic to me because. I mean, I don't know, I hadn't thought about what you said, Anna, because people close to her would be in danger, I guess. That would be the main thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, but they I don't already know how much... are. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how much <laughs> would actually change. But I did love what Ryan told Marcus when she said that um, if he revealed who she was, the whole world would know that she turned out the way that she did and she's a hero with nothing. And uh, he turned out the way that he is with everything. Yeah. So that was a sick mm -hmm. burn. I love that. And the yeah. way that she shut him up was sexy. Um, all in all, though, I think we can all agree that this was a great directorial debut for Crammers. Yeah. Uh, that and the fact that the next episode looks absolute fire. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for the next episode with Alice. <laughs> like, yes. If it's not an Alex-centric episode, I've put my hopes up for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, the promo is just Alice, basically, so I'm excited. Yeah. Well, that leaves me with just a few Easter eggs to share with you all. But before I do just that, did you personally catch any? Just a Harley Quinn one for me. Same, <laughs> same. The Kiki mention. Yeah, same. But something that I did think was interesting was yeah. that supposedly Kiki got therapy after her work with Joker. So mm -hmm. this would imply that he had been killed or put away by Batman by then, which would in turn imply that Arlene was still the same version of herself, which means that the Joker never got into her brain in the DCTV. 
Not really, because she did say that, you know, when she mentioned, but my therapist was Harleen Quinzel, so, you know, she's ah, okay. kind of implying that she was, you know, a little cuckoo bananas. Okay, she was already <laughs> Harley Quinn by then. Yeah, the one but she only. was still doing therapy. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> you know, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the Joker, as we all know, and mm -hmm. I'm not too deep into the whole lore for the character. I did notice a couple of nods to past interpretations of the infamous Batman villain. One thing that really stood out for me, though, other than the bank gun that Alice tries to use, was the bloodied crowbar that can be seen in the lair towards the end of the episode. Uh, if I'm yeah, not I was going to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they had such a yeah focused shot of that crowbar. So I was I was like, what does this mean? Because I didn't catch the reference. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's a nod to the Joker torturing and killing Jason Todd, who was one of the Robins, specifically in Batman's A Death in the Family, uh, which is okay. a comic book I haven't read personally, but it's definitely one that I've heard about. It's very popular, even, you know, the epic rap battles of history that I watched from time to time <laughs> mentioned it. Uh, so I think that was a really nice touch and kind of confirmed that Robin is dead in this universe. So uh, additionally, as you girls have mentioned, we finally got a confirmation that Harley Quinn is a thing in this universe. Uh, and I personally had no doubts about it, but boy, does it feel good to hear it. Yeah. We see her, besides, you know, getting her name dropped in the show, we see her mallet in the lair at some point, which would later be replaced by the bat that we saw in a previous episode being used by Renee at the Wayne Tower. So I think that was, you know, a cool touch. Either way, though, Dr. Harleen Quinzel is a thing in the DCTV universe, and I'm constantly mind-blown that DC and Warner Brothers allow Batwoman to just name-drop and hint at such pivotal characters in the universe in yeah, such same. capacity. Uh, it's insane that they allow them to do that, and the writers themselves are always like, you know, we don't know how they allowed us to do that. <laughs> so... I'm very much appreciative of that. Uh, and who knows, maybe we'll get a Margot Robbie cameo in Batwoman in the future. One can DC's dream. DC's big brain knows that Batwoman is an amazing TV show and deserves so true. to yeah. have all the rights to do everything that they want. If they so got true. Margot, it would explode in views. <laughs> like, please do it. It's not going to happen, but how fun would it be? Yeah. I need Batwoman to blow up so bad. Same. Same. I just I want enough. a new season confirmed. I hate being an underdog and being like, come on, what if it doesn't happen? Honestly, like, I'm show. stressed. I'm stressed. Can the CW just announce it already? And it's Seriously. annoying because I feel like Arrow and The Flash have had such clout. And uh, with Batwoman, it's like no one even knows the show exists. And it's very annoying because yeah, it's so good. Literally. It's so you know... Good. Not to not to quote Twitter, but those who get it, get it, and those who don't, don't, is what I have to say about Batwoman. So if you're not here already, like, what's wrong with you? It's not Literally. anything with the show, it's just you. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're a fan of these kinds of shows, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, get a grip. I love that Anyways, all the reactors I watched that watch Batwoman are always saying, yeah, this is the best Arrowverse like superhero show I watch right now. 
And I'm like, yes, like everyone agrees. So why isn't everyone watching it already? Literally. Sucks to suck. Well, I guess that's it for this week's episode of Arkham Archives. Once again, thank you for joining us in yet another stream of barely coherent thoughts. Yeah, this week was a bad one. (laughs) This week was long. I'm going to have fun editing this. (laughs) It was an Uh, especially uh, incoherent stream of thoughts. (laughs) Good luck in it. Thank you. We hope you were at least half as entertained as we were recording this. So... Make sure to follow us on social media at Arkham underscore archives. That's Arkham underscore archives. Uh, Since we'll be sharing some fun extra content during the hiatus. And don't forget to stream Batwoman on the CW app or in whatever other legal avenue you have at hand. I should remind you, we're also available on YouTube at Arkham Archives Podcast. So feel free to drop us a comment either there or on your podcast app of choice. We wish you all the best through this hiatus and hopefully by the next time we talk we'll have a confirmation on Batwoman's fourth season. Yeah. Until Hashtag then, renew guys. Batwoman. Hashtag renew Batwoman. <laughs> Hashtag renew Batwoman. I'm sorry to make this episode even longer but Anna, are you going to handle the wait? I'm uh, worried for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. And, like finally there's an Alice episode and I have to wait two weeks. Like, it's just unfair. But I'm hosting, so I'm going to have a lot to say. Oh, and a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Fra, and we're hoping that for the last episode you'll be hosting, there'll be some Hannah Fox action. Imagine yeah, that. you need it. It will be <laughs> perfect <that>. arrangement. <laughs> Until then, though, guys, take care. Bye. 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 <laughs>